0: Joined at the hip like lazy men and Medicare, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A Medicare podcast that barks up the right tree every time. Alexa, call Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. I'm coming to you from beautiful, sunny, warming up Arizona. Uh, Here it is, two-thirds of the way through February, and we're finally getting some more 70-plus degrees days. So uh, that's going to actually make our podcast a little livelier than it might have been otherwise because Randy and I are both affected by the weather. We're happy when it's warm and sunny, and we're not happy when it's cold and cloudy. Anyway, I'm here to help you feel confident about Medicare. We've talked about this before, and my mission hasn't changed. I want you to feel confident about your impending encounter with Medicare, if in fact that's what's going to happen at some point in your future. And uh, one of the ways that I can help you feel more confident is to uh, direct you to my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man. 2023, Uh, we're making big progress towards the 2024 edition, but right now 2023 would be the edition that you're looking for on barnesandnoble.com or on amazon.com. And what is going to happen if you go to, let's say, amazon.com, you're going to find four different versions of the book, but each of them has the same great Medicare information, that will stand you in very good stead as you contemplate your encounter with Medicare. You're going to have find the uh, Kindle version, which you can have immediately at a very reasonable price of less than $4. You're going to find the paperback version that most people seem to want to buy. That's an $8 item. You're going to find the um, uh, audible version if you like to listen rather than read. That's going to be about a $6 item, and I can't help the price, but I can vouch for its magnificence. The hardcover book with colorful illustrations, $22. Such a deal. That should be $30 minimum right there, but it's a $22 item at Amazon.com, and I highly recommend it if you're giving a gift. The gift of Medicare knowledge comes has never been really wrapped in a uh, package this this uh, classy and durable. So that would be my suggestion for a gift item for a friend or a loved one. Speaking of friends and loved ones, I have uh, sitting right across the screen from me, I have my uh, producer and uh, confidant, Randy Carson. Uh, Randy, thank you for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. Glad to do it. I'm always glad to do it when it's sunny and nice out because, mm. you know, I often, I have to record out in my garage, you know, that's, that's sometimes that's where it's the quietest.
0: Sure. Understood. And,
1: and when it's, you know, 600 degrees below freezing, Arizona time, you know, Arizona freezing. You remember yeah, that? that?
0: That's when we postpone <laughs> typically. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The garage recording studio gets very cold, but today I'm looking at the, um, all my gauges and screens and it says that we're headed heading towards a nice day and right now it's 70 degrees down here where yeah that's great
0: oh it is uh according to my computer it says it's 70 degrees also wow cool so that is very nice and uh it gets warmer the warmest part of the day is always around three to four o'clock and that that gives us something to ponder something to think about all day as it gets warmer and warmer yeah my phone tells me it's going to be 73 degrees Ooh, in the middle of the afternoon
1: that's pretty good i've got i got one little tiny you know piece of you know interesting information for you tell and then Jealous. then we're we're going to get to going but yep. i read on the internet last night that there was a record a record broken by two different airplanes actually over the weekend these were pas- just re- I don't know, passenger planes, you know, they uh-huh. weren't military or anything else. But because they had and this happened in both cases, because these retail retail passenger planes had such a tailwind uh-huh. that their ground speed was over 800 miles an hour.
0: No kidding. Holy crap. So they that had is- to have been heading from west to east. I'm guessing
1: well they i for, wherever they were going they one of them was heading towards london and the okay. other one was headed towards uh i think it was new york but anyway ground speed they were they were cruising along at 820 miles an hour both of them uh, around that speed now obviously no. they were over the sound barrier because it was ground speed we're talking sure. about not not air speed but yeah the
0: sound barrier is like 720 miles an hour right, at right. at sea level i think
1: yeah exactly but I wanted to be on that plane because the next time I go to Ireland I need yep. one of those 850 mile an hour planes
0: oh I know geez that's I've never flown to Europe but I can imagine that that's just a drudgery uh, you know uh, hours of uh, nothing really to look at um I did fly to Hawaii and back and it was um same kind of thing I could have uh, used a shortcut or a faster plane
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I don't. My only claim to fame in flying, because I've done it so much, is that I can fall asleep very readily. But even, you know, when you're flying to Ireland, it's about, you know, you got to go five hours to the East Coast, five, five and a half to the East Coast. Uh And then and then from there, it's about another five, five and a half to Ireland from there. So uh, I have even my sleeping ability wears out, you know, because I can't sleep that much.
0: Well, as a child, as a, a six, seven, eight-year-old child, nine, ten, my cross-country travel took place on first-class railroad trains, and it would last a lot longer than a plane ride, but the freedom to do pretty much whatever you wanted to, and the freedom to to watch my grandparents, who I traveled with a lot, uh, make new friends and get completely sloshed in the observation cars uh, with the uh, the excellent service uh, provided by the uh the pullman porters and everything else that kind of wrecked me for airline flying it's not the same it's not as classy it takes a shorter amount of time but it's uh, less less uh, fun and less um, oh, absolutely impactful
1: absolutely well that was my fun fact for the day the that was fun. the 820 mile an hour ground speed planes And I'm going to uh, encourage us to move on into the good stuff now.
0: I'm going to cooperate with that encouragement. So uh, let's hit the ground running here. Uh, The content curator actually curated a bunch of stuff that she says uh, kind of surrounds a theme. Let's see if we can figure out the theme as I go through the items that she's curated for us. The first item she has is four myths about Medicare. And so as I pick up this item from the... um, The stack of stuff, as Rush Limbaugh would have said. Uh, Between the complex enrollment rules, aggressive marketing campaigns, and misinformation shared among friends and family, it's no wonder that people have a hard time keeping the facts about Medicare straight. Here are four myths that commonly confound and how to avoid associated missteps along the way. Myth number one, I can enroll in uh, Medicare at any time after I turn 65. Now, that's a myth. So let's see what the actual facts are. Uh, I don't know if you can hear that. That's the automatic buzzer on the washing machine that's being repaired right now. If you're planning to start Medicare at age 65, you have a seven-month period before, during, and after your birth month. And so uh, that is... the only time at age 65 that you have an kind of an open enrollment period. Now, let's say that you're currently working or your spouse is currently working and you're covered by your employer's plan uh, and your employer has 20 or more employees on the plan. Well, you are then not required to enroll in Medicare. If you turn 65, you can just keep on uh, using the employer plan for as long as one of you is uh, actively at work. And when one of you decides to retire and to leave the employer's plan, that's when your clock starts ticking. And as far as Medicare is concerned, you have eight months to enroll in Medicare. Uh, and then that is going to be um, uh, the primary uh, limitation that you have between, let's say the age 65 one is just a few months before and a few months after your birthday and the, uh, uh, Oh yeah, The um, special enrollment period when you're working uh, happens right after you leave your employer's plan. If you get Part D, uh, you can uh, do that anytime within the first eight months after you've left your employer's plan. So myth number two, Medicare is free. <laughs> there ain't nothing free around here. We hear from people all the time who thought Medicare was free because they paid into it their whole working lives. However, Medicare contributions made during your working years do not cover the full cost of Medicare coverage. Actually, what they go to is Part A of Medicare. So if you work 40 quarters or 10 years of taxable employment paying those Medicare taxes, uh, you will have paid for Part A for the rest of your life, and they're never going to charge you any money for Part A. But part B is a different story. That is the uh, part of Medicare that you'll use most frequently, and then has a monthly premium this year of about $175 a month. So uh, continuing on with the reading on this article. Um, um part a of medicare coverage uh, covers inpatient care at hospitals and other facilities people who have not paid enough years of medicare tax contributions may have a premium associated with part a when they enroll in part a if they don't have that 10 years of taxable earnings they will have to pay a premium depending on the number of years they've worked In addition to Part A, you'll need Part B coverage, which covers medical services like doctor visits. In 2023, the standard premium was $164.90. In 2024, it is $175.00. For higher earners, that amount increases uh, because there's such a thing as the success penalty. Parts A and B for hospital medical services cover about 80% of the costs. That's a, a very gross simplification. So you're going to need a Medicare supplement plan and a drug plan. Now, those aren't necessarily expensive. People think the Medicare supplement plan might be uh, expensive, but they haven't spoken to me yet. I have not yet explained to them my Medicare supplement plan that everybody will enjoy because the cost is so, so uh, reasonable. Myth number three, I can base my Medicare choices on my current health needs. You may not be taking any prescription meds or need much medical care when you initially enroll in Medicare. However, health expenses tend to increase with age. You're going to want to think about what your future needs might be and what your future preferences might be, uh, as the initial choices you make can have a lasting impact. For example, if you don't enroll in a prescription drug plan when you first become eligible, you may end up paying a late enrollment penalty when you do add this coverage. The penalty could make a prescription drug coverage plan prohibitively expensive, just when you really need it. Another decision that can benefit from long-term view of your health care needs is the choice between Medicare Advantage and Medicare Supplement. Medicare Advantage plans have very low premiums for the most part, and they can be very attractive, especially if you don't need much care in the early years. However, some Medicare Advantage plans come with networks that require you to see certain providers. They may also carry higher out-of-pocket costs when you do see these providers, when you do seek treatment. While Medicare Advantage plan may still be a good choice for you, I doubt it. You will want to think carefully about whether you will still be happy with a plan it has a network limitation and has um, uh, various other limitations and service restrictions that you may f- find troubling as you grow older and you uh, value the freedom of choice that a Medicare Advantage plan Uh, offers. And the other thing to keep in mind is that if you have a medical problem, you may not be able to qualify to get a Medicare Advantage plan. Since Medicare Advantage is the most comprehensive coverage and the most desirable coverage, um, it might be best if you did not take the chance, if you did not roll the dice uh, early in your um, Medicare encounter, And it would be best if you uh, went ahead with a Medicare supplement plan so that that right will never be taken away from you. Myth number four, once I choose a plan, I'm done. Well, this is a myth because after weighing your Medicare options and selecting your coverage, you may not want to revisit your choices again. However, if you want to have the best coverage possible without overpaying, you might need an annual review of your Medicare drug plan to make sure it's still the best plan available, best meaning cheapest. And if you have a Medicare Advantage plan, uh, you're almost certainly going to need to review that every year because, frankly, all of these plans, the drug plans, the Medicare Advantage plans, change many of their important components during the course of a year. And uh, those are uh, the uh, most disappointing aspects of the Medicare Advantage and the Medicare drug plans. Medicare drug plans, pretty easy to change. Medicare Advantage plans, you've got to find somebody who knows all the plans in your area if you have specific changes to your plan that are troubling and you want to get out. Uh, So each year during the Medicare annual enrollment period, which is really AEP, it's the annual election period, that's October 15th through December 7th, you have a chance to shop around for a new drug plan and a new Medicare Advantage plan, or that might be the best time for you to disenroll from your Medicare Advantage plan and go to a Medicare Supplement plan while you're still healthy enough to uh, qualify. And it just occurred to me, Randy, I forgot to set my timer here, so I could be yakking for most of the day unless you give me the high sign when you think it's time for us to wrap it up. So I'll see two thumbs sticking up in the air. That'll be my, my sign to uh, clam up. So the next thing we have that was curated for me is the challenges of choosing Medicare coverage. These, this article is written from the point of view of insurance brokers and agents. And uh, the first page has top lines. I don't know what the word top lines mean. I guess it's like the important points, the takeaways from this article. Many Medicare beneficiaries lack objective information about the trade-offs of different coverage options. They rely instead on advice from insurance brokers and marketing claims. Most insurance brokers and agents advising Medicare beneficiaries say they earn much higher commissions for enrolling people in Medicare Advantage plans instead of Medicare Supplement plans. Um, So that might be the reason why you want to be a little bit skeptical. So I'm looking at a chart. I don't know why that chart is there, the Medicare content curator maybe can explain that to me later on so to continue on with this article medicare beneficiaries that's what they call medicare participants it sounds too much like uh, they're on welfare to me so i'm going to say medicare participants they must weigh several trade-offs when deciding among their coverage options whether they choose medicare advantage plans or traditional medicare with a supplement for instance, uh, for example, Medicare Advantage plans typically provide benefits not included in traditional medical, Medicare plans, such as eyeglasses coverage, as well as a limit on out-of-pocket expenses for medical services. Well, the Medicare supplement with Medicare also provides very reasonable limits on the out-of-pocket expenses. So traditional Medicare, on the other hand, allows med- medical uh, Medicare beneficiaries to go to any doctor or hospital or other provider that accepts Medicare without the need for prior approval. For help in making these decisions, nearly one-third of Medicare beneficiaries age 65 and older say they turn to an insurance broker or agent. Uh, Beneficiaries or Medicare participants lack information, however, about how brokers and agents winnow down plan options and what role financial incentives might play in the advice they give. Well, I think this is an important uh, thing. How does the commission structure that agents get paid by affect their choices and their advice given the wide use of brokers and agents and the potential impact of their guidance on on the coverage choices um, a fund partnered with the public opinion research firm perry undem to learn about their perspectives on the state of coverage choices and here are the highlights in general most insurance brokers and agents in the focus groups that they held, recalled receiving higher commissions, sometimes very much higher, for enrolling people in Medicare Advantage plans compared to Medicare Supplement plans for traditional Medicare. Brokers and agents said that they tend to sell combination of traditional Medicare with a Medigap policy or a Medicare Supplement policy to beneficiaries or Medicare participants with higher incomes, and Medicare Advantage plans to those with lower incomes. Most brokers and agents say they personally would choose traditional Medicare with Medigab. That's what they would personally choose. They would choose Medicare and a Medicare Supplement plan, believing that combination offers better coverage and choices than any Medicare Advantage, particularly as people age. So the focus group findings were, let's see, how brokers and agents are compensated for their services varies and can be complex. Commonly, they contract with multiple insurance carriers that pay commissions based on the enrollment that the Medicare Advantage plan, Medicare Supplement, or Part D plans uh, they sell. Brokers and agents are not required to contract with all available plans in a given area nor are they required to offer all plans to beneficiaries or to their clients. Most brokers and agents say they are paid more to enroll in Medicare Advantage plans. I guess we can't say that often enough. It's uh, Medicare Advantage plans pay much richer commissions to agents, and that's why agents are going to recommend Medicare Advantage plans. Well, not this agent, because I am... uh, I I don't like unhappy clients. I want my clients to be happy long into the future. And one way to do that is to sell them Medicare supplement plans, which will serve their needs much better than Medicare advantage plans. So let's see, here's a little story about a California broker. According to brokers and agents, the commission structure of Medigap plans incentivizes the sale of plans charging higher premiums. Most Medicare participants with Medigap or Medicare supplement plans choose higher premium plans that provide comprehensive coverage, such as plans G or F. That's because they value the peace of mind knowing that nearly all of the traditional Medicare's cost-sharing will be covered. But for beneficiaries on a tight budget, it may make sense to have Medicare supplement coverage like plans K or L that feature high-cost-sharing, but low premiums and limits on out-of-pocket payments. I've got a better plan than that for my people who are looking to save money, but uh, we can discuss that in greater detail later on. So here's another paragraph that wasn't really marked, but such lower premium plans, however, usually provide low fees, low commissions for brokers and agents. Since commissions for the Medicare supplement plans are offered as a percentage of the premium, that the, uh, uh, the client pays. As one broker said, if I was to enroll in Medicare today, I might be inclined to take a Medicare supplement, but one that I offer rarely to my clients, which is the high deductible plan G. That's what this broker said. He said, I would be inclined to enroll in Medicare supplement, and I would be uh, most inclined to enroll in the high deductible plan G. That's the one I recommend to all of my clients. The commission structure thus may result in some beneficiaries paying more than they need to uh, because the agent is paid more for the more expensive plans. Moreover, some research has concluded that this comprehensive Medicare supplement coverage also leads to higher Medicare spending. So let's see. Uh, agents also think that commissions for standalone drug plans were viewed as too low and not worth the time creating some problems for the Medicare uh, beneficiaries, the Medicare participants. Um, Let's see. um, While the uh, federal government sets the commissions that drug plans pay, they set the upper limit. They don't set the lower limit. And some of these plans, trying to save money, have reduced their commissions to almost zero. And uh, I think what they're saying here is that brokers don't really like to work for free. Some brokers decide... Uh, Described clients coming to them without a Part D plan or other drug coverage, despite being on Medicare for years, because their previous broker had never enrolled them in a Part D plan. These enrollees consequently have to pay a late enrollment penalty each month for the remainder of their years on Medicare, and they cannot enroll in a Part D plan until the next open enrollment period, which would be at the end of the year. Let's see. Here's a blurb about an Arizona broker. Nobody I know, probably. <clears throat> insurers commonly provide bonus payments for reaching enrollment benchmarks. Brokers and agents say that some Medigap and Medicare Advantage insurers provide substantial bonus commissions when enrollment targets are met. Describing one insurer's bonus program, a focus group participant says, I think it was 20 policies within a three-month period. That bonus was actually 100 bucks per policy. <clears throat> Bonuses could create an incentive for a broker or agent to steer clients to a plan, regardless of whether it's the best one for their clients. So the selection of Medicare coverage with 40 or more Medicare Advantage plans, uh, 60 Part D plans, and many Medicare supplement plans to choose from brokers and agents help their Medicare clients winnow down their coverage options. However, What guides this process may not be transparent to beneficiaries. Brokers don't sell all the plans available in their geographical area. They said they choose which plans to offer based on how quickly insurers answer their questions on feedback from clients and sometimes on plan benefits. Brokers and agents said they tend to sell the combination of traditional Medicare with a Medicare supplement to higher income people, and Medicare Advantage plans to lower-income people. I saw; I think we saw that earlier in the article. Some brokers and agents say clients have trouble getting Medicare supplement plans when they try to switch from Medicare Advantage to traditional Medicare. According to agents and brokers, finding their clients the right coverage the first time is important because switching coverage can be difficult, if not impossible. They cited extensive underwriting as a barrier to purchasing a Medicare supplement plan for people that want to switch from Medicare Advantage during a period when they lack guaranteed issue rights. Beneficiaries who are older or sicker can be denied coverage or forced to pay higher rates. I say just denied coverage. I've never seen anybody get forced to pay a higher rate. Uh, A broker said, I have one client right now who went from a Medicare supplement to a Medicare Advantage plan. And now she wants to go back to the supplement and the supplement is going to cost more now, three years later, than it did before. A Florida broker says that all brokers and agents who have served people that are duly eligible for Medicare and Medicaid, and they say they enroll them in a special needs plans only, most brokers and agents personally would choose traditional Medicare and Medicare supplement rather than Medicare Advantage plans. When asked, they said they believe that traditional Medicare With the addition of a Medicare supplement plan offers better health care coverage and choices, particularly as people age. One broker explained the choice. If I ever have a medical problem, I'd want to be able to go to any physician that I want. Um, A few of the brokers said that Medicare Advantage would be okay for them, but most of them said no. They wanted regular Medicare and a Medicare supplement plan. So what are the reasons for growing enrollment in Medicare Advantage? Well, despite some brokers and agents' personal preference for a traditional Medicare supplement by a Medigap plan, a share of beneficiaries or people in participating in Medicare choosing Medicare Advantage continues to grow. Focus group participants offered their opinions about why Medicare Advantage plan enrollment is growing. According to the brokers and agents, rising Medigap premiums are driving some beneficiaries to choose medicare advantage instead brokers and agents said that some beneficiaries switched from traditional medicare to medicare advantage because they could not afford to pay the medicare supplement premiums they said that medicare supplement plan premiums have increased more in recent years than they had historically putting them out of reach for their clients We used to see smaller increases coming along, said one broker who had been in business for 15 years. Now we're starting to see bigger jumps. Uh, Another Arizona broker was uh, interviewed in the uh, focus group. Some brokers and agents said that based on relative commission rates and information from uh, the federal government, it seems to them as if the federal government wants more people to be in Medicare Advantage. This observation, while not made in all focus groups, was raised by several brokers without prompting and with some other participants expressing agreement. A few said that it was obvious to them that the government wants more people in Medicare Advantage plans. Marketing efforts have led to beneficiary confusion and helped drive enrollment in Medicare Advantage, according to brokers and agents. Focus group participants characterized advertising for Medicare plans as relentless, overwhelming, even misleading, particularly the advertising for Medicare Advantage commercials. Okay, now a Tennessee broker um, uh, in a Tennessee focus group here said that they spoke about how the higher commissions they earn for Medicare Advantage enrollment have incentivized increasing enrollment in the Medicare Advantage program, despite many having a personal preference for traditional Medicare with a supplement as uh, their Medicare coverage. Another theme they heard was that a beneficiary's income often dictates whether people enroll in traditional Medicare with a Medigap plan or in a Medicare Advantage plan. Lastly, focus groups provide more evidence that when it comes to learning about coverage options, marketing is not a substitute for education that informs people about their options and the trade-offs inherent in the different choices. So this was um, interesting to me. I wish I had known that it was going to be a bunch of focus groups. I might have explained the whole article a little differently. Ooh boy, here's a fun one. 11 Costly Medicare Mistakes You Should Avoid Making. And I know that the clock is counting down. I don't want to run over our time, so I'm going to go through these fairly quickly. Here's the first of the 11 costly Medicare mistakes you should avoid making. You should avoid keeping your Medicare drug plan on autopilot. What they mean here is that every year you should examine, do a a search for the best Medicare drug plan for you because it may not be the best. The one you've had for the last year or two or three may not be the cheapest for you anymore. You may be throwing money away. And so what you should do is talk to your broker or uh, come to my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2024, which is going to have extensive instructions about how you can conduct your own scientific search for all of our – Of all of the plans available in your area, there's going to be one that is the best for you. And that one plan will be readily apparent if you follow the directions uh, in my book. So keep that in mind. You should uh, re-search for your best Medicare drug plan at the end of every year. Number two, buying the same Medicare drug plan as your spouse. There's typically no reason for that without having conducted that scientific search that I mentioned, uh, depending on the drugs that you take and the drug your, drugs your spouse takes. And the uh, you may like to use the same pharmacy, but and one spouse may do all the shopping for both. But if the drugs are different, it's entirely possible that the plan uh, that will be best for each of them is going to be different because uh, different plans have different formularies. And they charge different um, cost sharing for different drugs. So just because your spouse has one type of drug plan does not mean at all that your drug plan should be the same one. Number three, going out of network in your Medicare Advantage plan. Well, it's an HMO or a PPO. If you get treatment outside the network, you're going to have to pay much more or all of the cost. And that's one of the bad things about Medicare Advantage plans. Number four. Uh, one of the uh, costly Medicare mistakes you can avoid is uh, switching Medicare Advantage plans in mid-year if needed. Uh, what is it? What is this talking about here? It says you can switch Medicare Advantage plans during an open enrollment each year from October 15th to December 7th. An additional open enrollment period is held every year from January 1st to 31st. During this period, you can switch to a different Medicare Advantage plan or drop your Medicare Advantage plan and return to original Medicare. You'll also be able to join a separate Medicare Part D drug plan if you return to original Medicare. But if you want a Medicare supplement, which would be an important part of your protection if you go to original Medicare, you're going to have to fill out a health questionnaire in most situations. Uh, Let's see, another uh, mistake people make is not picking the right Medicare supplement plan. If you buy a Medicare supplement plan within six months of enrolling in Medicare Part B, You can get any plan that's available in your area, even if you have a pre-existing medical condition. But if you try to switch plans after that, insurers in most states can reject you. And nobody likes to be rejected. Number six, the Medicare mistake that people make. uh, Number six, forgetting that you can sign up for Medicare at age 65. Well, you might already be senile. If you're already receiving Social Security benefits, you're going to be automatically enrolled in Medicare Part A and B when you turn 65, although they send along a little reply card that will allow you to uh, refuse enrollment in Medicare Part A and Part B if you're employed by a company and you're happy with your company plan. But if you forget that you're supposed to enroll in Medicare, uh, you could be up, up the creek without a paddle. Number seven, not signing up for Medicare Part B if you have retiree or COBRA coverage. Now, that's an important point. Let's say you're on COBRA. You've left your company plan. You're on COBRA. If you don't sign up for Medicare Part B, you're going to have uh, very, very skimpy coverage. Let me read the uh, description here. When you turn 65, Medicare is generally considered to be your primary insurance, and any other coverage you have is secondary unless you or your spouse has insurance through a current employer with 20 or more employees. But the coverage must be with a current employer. In other words, they must be actively at work. Other employer-related coverage, such as retiree coverage, COBRA coverage, or severance, a severance package is not considered to be primary coverage after you turn 65. That means if you don't sign up for Medicare, you may have gaps in your plan. Uh, in your uh, protection, and you might be subject to a lifetime late enrollment penalty. So you may also have to wait to get coverage. So remember, sign up for Medicare Parts A and Part B as soon as you're eligible. Number eight, uh, this could be a, a big problem if you forget about the Medicare Part B enrollment deadline after leaving your job. You've got a maximum of eight months. Do it right away. Don't go without insurance enroll in Medicare Part B before you leave the job and tell them you want to start your Part B coverage uh, on the first of the month that's closest to your uh, your retirement date. Number nine, uh, a, a mistake that people make is making financial moves that increase your Medicare premiums. So basically you could be uh, doing something that causes you to become a victim of the success penalty. Number 10, People not contesting the high income surcharge, the IRMA penalty, for the year that you retire. That's a big mistake. If you get the IRMA penalty and just pay it without considering contesting it, you're just throwing money away. Your Part B and Part D, as in dog, premiums will be higher if your income is over a certain threshold. The Social Security Administration uses your most recent tax returns on file, actually two-year-old tax returns. Uh, so for 2024 premiums, they're looking at your 2022 tax returns to determine whether you're subject to the surcharge. Uh, for single filers with an adjusted gross income of more than $103,000, you will pay more than the standard premiums. But you may be able to get the surcharge reduced or eliminated if your income has dropped since then because certain life-changing events such as marriage, divorce, death of a spouse, retirement, or reduction in work hours can uh, qualify you to have that penalty removed or reduced. In that case, you can ask Social Security to use your more recent income instead. You'll need to provide evidence of the life-changing event, such as a signed statement from your employer that you have retired. So uh, that is an important consideration. If you're getting hit with the IRMA penalty, think about fighting it. Number 11, the final costly Medicare mistake you should avoid is signing up for Medicare Part A if you want to contribute to an HSA, a health savings account. You cannot contribute to a health savings account after you sign up for Medicare. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to stop making HSA contributions at age 65. If you or your spouse has health insurance through your current job, you can delay signing up for Part A and Part B to keep contributing to your HSA. This isn't an option if you've already signed up for Social Security or your employer has fewer than 20 employees. In that case, you cannot delay signing up for Part A. Be careful about your contributions in the year you leave your job and sign up for Medicare. You must prorate your HSA contributions based on the number of months before you were covered by Medicare. And don't forget that after you turn 65, you can use HSA money tax-free to pay for premiums for Medicare Parts B and D and Medicare Advantage plans, but not premiums for Medicare supplement policies. Now, that surprises me. I really did not know that. In addition to paying for other out-of-pocket medical expenses, I really did not know that they discourage you from paying Medicare supplement premiums from your HSA savings. So, Randy, um, I haven't seen those thumbs yet. How are we doing time-wise?
1: We are out. Okay. We have spent our 75 cents worth
0: of time. Uh, I'm not surprised to hear that.
1: And I think we better take a couple things that I, I always do, you know, we're going to bring the plane in on uh, 32 right today. Okay.
0: And, at 800 oh, miles an well, hour? Oh,
1: well, speaking of that, I've got one little tiny tiny, you know, fact for you.
0: Okay. okay.
1: So, you know, early on in the podcast, we talked about two planes that came in at ground speed Passenger planes of 820 miles an hour ground speed, which is just unheard of. Yeah. But here's another comparison for you, just to put a put in your back pocket. Fighter pilots and a variety of other military aircraft love to, you know, play with each other. Mm-hmm. This this particular conversation happened over Arizona. I don't know how many years ago, but you've heard of uh, the SR-71 Blackbird?
0: Oh boy, yeah, yep, yep, yep. I love those things.
1: Okay, well, there was some but that one of the senior 71s was coming over Arizona and he heard what, like an F-16 pilot you know they used they, they like to check in with the ground you know their uh, the controllers you know coming yep. over you know commercial airports uh-huh. well, checking their ground speed you know just to sure. show off you know so anyway, the senior 71 heard heard an F16 pilot doing this at one point in time in the uh-huh. past. Mm-hmm. and so the, the sr-71 just couldn't resist i i i'll have to give you the name of the pilot you know later on i'll I'll look it up but anyway so he checks in with a commercial airport uh you know what is my ground speed sir yep and uh okay so keep in mind that i was telling you about 820 miles an hour for a commercial plane mm-hmm. this f-16 i don't remember what his ground speed was but the commercial airport reported back to the pilot of the SR 71 that said, Your ground speed, sir, is 2,120 miles an hour.
0: Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that flummoxed. I remember hearing about this uh, this exchange of messages, and I think it flummoxed the uh, F 16 pilot. He didn't think, he thought he was going to be the fastest guy in the uh, area, but uh, oh, yeah. he was not.
1: He was well, not even close. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know you know this, but one of my favorite places to go in Tucson is the Pima Air and Space Museum. Oh, yeah, they've absolutely. They've got an SR-71 right there. You can walk up and, and touch it if you like. i
1: gotta go. I got to go see that. I've never been close to one where I could actually look at it with my own two eyes. Uh, I, I really want to see that.
0: They built a building around it. It's a huge airplane, and it was sat outside for a long time. And now they've built a building around it with all kinds of uh, equipment that they display. Uh, and, uh, it's, I got to go back and see it again, but, uh, it's a fantastic museum, but having this SR 71 Blackbird is just phenomenal inside. Oh, I, know. I don't know if you know this, but they, uh, when the plane was designed in order to have it function properly at the high altitudes and the really fast air speeds, uh, they had to build it. So it was all loosey goosey and almost yep. falling apart. And yep. so when it sits on the ground and the, uh, they fuel it up, the fuel just starts running running out of the airplane <laughs> yeah, onto yeah. the ground. And so they, they quick taxi, they uh, take off, and they get up to speed and altitude, and the plane starts tightening itself up because of the increased skin temperature. And it yeah. has to be refueled again in the air before it goes anywhere because it's lost so much fuel falling out of the uh, sloppy uh, cracks and joints.
1: Yeah, I, I did know that. I uh, They had to top it off after they got up because otherwise they lost so much fuel on the ground that they weren't going to make it anyway yeah that they had to make a really loosey goose and that's the other thing that's related to that Uh people think that the sr 71 is black right it is it is black but you know why it's black right
0: well tell me why
1: the skin gets so hot that it carbonizes and that's the black that's not that's not paint
0: yeah yeah it's it's very much like the uh blocks of carbon material that they insulate these space shuttles with when they come back yeah. in to the atmosphere it's that material is very good at insulating the the plane
1: oh absolutely well you know we got to cancel our pay we we've used our 75 cents so we need to really land the plane uh pick out your pencil you can reach out to doug at dbj at mlm don't forget Doug is licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning. Check us out at the website, medicareforthelazyman.com. We would also appreciate it if you could find somewhere to drop a couple reviews on the content that we produce. And last but not least, thank you for joining us. You could have been a hundred different places doing 99 different things, but you weren't. You were with us, which is exactly where we like to have you listening to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, and you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes listening to Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more, he's camped out in the high ground behind Cave Creek, Arizona. And I usually clock him in, you know, at about, well, 12,000 feet. Because we're talking about the SR-71, I'm gonna take you right up to the top. Let's put you in at 39,000 feet.
0: Oh, geez. Thanks, I think. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Randy. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you, valued advertisers, for joining our efforts here. We will look forward to seeing you all for our next episode. Bye-bye.